I'm Bonnie Glazer, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power podcast, we're discussing the opportunities and challenges presented by the explosion of e-commerce in China. E-commerce, the practice of buying and selling goods and services all over the internet, has revolutionized shopping for people around the world. However, nowhere has the size and scale of the e-commerce market seen such dramatic growth as in China. In 2016, China accounted for over 42% of the global e-commerce market, with over 811 billion in retail e-commerce sales. The most popular online shopping holiday, China's Singles Day, which is held on November 11th, totaled $45 billion in sales in 2018. For context, the combined online sales of the three biggest shopping days in the United States, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and Amazon Prime Day, earned roughly $16 billion in the same year. As China's own e-commerce giants like Alibaba and JD.com have battled for control of domestic markets, foreign brands have tried to find ways to capture the attention of Chinese consumers with mixed success. To explore the e-commerce market in China and around the world, I'm joined by Jacob Cook. Jacob is a co-founder and the CEO of WPIC Marketing and Technologies, which is a digital marketing and IT consulting firm based in Beijing. Jacob, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot for having me, Bonnie. So why has e-commerce experienced such explosive growth in China? Is it simply a function of the size of the population? And what are the ways in which the e-commerce market in China differ from that in the United States? I think one of the biggest differences here when that happened, there are probably two major differences, but what happened when China's e-commerce network was really built out here was was built on the back of much more secure banking. So e-commerce got off to a little bit of a rough start in the U.S. and the West when we were using our credit cards to pay for online, and there was a lot of credit card number theft that went along uh, with that. And that really sort of led to, you know, early 2000s not really seeing high growth compared to China, where they have a totally different system. Purchasing online in China requires a six-digit dynamic key code that comes off of a little token that your bank gives you. And that changes every 30 seconds, meaning it's very hard to steal and reuse. So buying online in China was really safe. The second major thing I think that caused the really big takeoff in user acceptance was a much different retail experience. If you look at the United States, you could always sort of drive back to your Walmart or what have you and return things, and usually for, you know, on average, you know, even three or four months in the U.S. That was totally different in China. So what the online e-commerce providers did is they offered return service, guaranteed return service, in fact, for any reason between seven and 30 days. So I think those two things alone really sort of provided the best experience, the best shopping experience, the best prices um, in mainland China. And then the huge population, I think, is what's allowed that growth to continue at pretty high rates up until today. There are currently a handful of major e-commerce platforms that are battling for control of the market, including Alibaba, JD.com, Pinduoduo, among others. Should we expect to see continued growth in the number of platforms, or do you see companies struggling to remain competitive in a saturated market? No, I would expect that if we look you know, on a graph for the last five years, that there's no reason to say that the trend of increase in platforms is not going to continue. Live streaming has become a big thing. There's platforms that are dedicated to that. We have new social media networks 
as well as more sort of specialty referral programs that are out there now too as well. Yunju being another platform that wasn't on your list that we're, we're watching for the future. So no, we would expect it to become more fragmented. So how do you predict the e-commerce market will evolve in China if you look at like over the next five or 10 years? And how will new technological developments and the nature of Chinese society impact that evolution? Well, what we've been seeing in China is, of course, explosive growth in their GDP numbers, but also consumer spending has continued to grow at about 9 to 10%, with the lion's share of that being online compared to retail. With that trend really continuing into the future, we would still expect there to be a lot more growth in e-commerce. You know, 14 or 15% is probably not unrealistic, all things being normal. So in terms of technology, a lot of that what we talked about a little bit before with live streaming and things like that and new ways to suggest new products to people is what's going to really drive that growth as well as major expansion into lower tier cities where we've seen a lot more stimulus funding uh, in the last couple of years. So they're growing at a much faster rate than those tier one cities that we're all familiar with. So one of the issues is concerns, you know, cross-border e-commerce, you know, when foreign companies are using e-commerce platforms to sell directly uh, to Chinese consumers. And apparently that's growing in China. Do you think that that trend is going to continue? And what is driving increased Chinese cross-border e-commerce? Well, the Chinese government has put in some places where there's been some duty-free shopping. So there's actually been some price advantage up until, you know, four or $5,000 a year in consumption. So that's helped to drive it. In addition, I think there's just been a lower barrier to entry to companies to bringing their products onto the global platform as they don't have to keep inventory in China. For some products also, the restrictions on selling cross-border into the country are it's less restrictive than trying to import yourself and sell directly here on the domestic platforms. But, you know, it's not just the global platforms. They've grown quite well, too, but uh, the local platforms have grown quite a bit. And so have the local brands are, are growing quite fast as well. So it's really not one or the other, but everything really growing in tandem quite quickly. What are some of the foreign brands that come to mind that are doing really well in e-commerce in China? Well, every brand that you would normally recognize. I mean, Nike is massive in e-commerce in China. Apple does a huge business as well. You know, I think it's more, if you look at it, I think everybody who's just been successful in China from the U.S. has a massive e-commerce play. I don't think what you're going to see is somebody who has, you know, an almost exclusive retail play really be one of those big brands that's so dependent upon their China numbers to ask you about the U.S.-China trade conflict and its impact on the willingness of Chinese consumers to buy American goods and the possibility, of course, that they might choose to boycott U.S. goods. Uh, there's certainly been growing nationalistic and to some extent a uh, stoking of anti-American sentiments in China. So if we look what has taken place so far, do you think that the trade conflict has impacted the performance of American companies in Chinese markets? And do you think that this trade dispute, if it goes on, which I expect it will, is going to have an impact on e-commerce in China? Well, interesting choice of words. I think the media, as opposed to conflict or dispute, has used much harsher words before. But if you look at the entire time that this dispute has gone on or, or disagreement, I'll even tone it down a bit more. We've never seen reductions in the brands that we're tracking online in China. So 
when the trade war first happened, I think there was a lot of apprehension. I think the growth slowed down a little bit, but we never saw anybody really going down. Even Apple's numbers are coming up quite a bit since the trade war happened. And even in some cases, duties have gone up. Those brands still haven't gone down. Maybe the growth has just been impeded a bit. Now, in that whole time, and I think this is a trend that started before the trade war, there's a lot of new local brands that are popping up. And that's everything from food to electronics to gadgets that are actually doing and growing quite well. I don't think that has to do with sentiment. I have to think that has to do with how they ingest data about the market and how they're able to customize their products quicker for what the market wants here. So I don't think that the trade dispute has actually affected sentiment. And it was one of the things that we've been tracking closely because of how worried we were at potentially those numbers going south. And we just didn't see it. Most experts agree that the digitization of China's economy will create immense change and opportunity. How has the rapid growth of China's e-commerce market influenced other aspects of its digital economy? And what does this say about the adaptability of the Chinese economy? Well, the adaptability and the speed at which it moves at are probably the first things that impress anybody who spent serious time in that market. What I think is happening with e-commerce now is the way that people market their products because of how many are on the platforms. And I think, you know, looking at some of those Alibaba platforms that you mentioned earlier, we're talking like 600 million potentially SKUs with obviously a lot of overlap, but that becomes difficult, you know, for your products to stand out. So what we see with more social media content, more social commerce, more uh, live streaming, more live events is that, you know, people are really being creative on the marketing side, you know, to have their products standing out. But on the back end, in terms of logistics and delivery, there's a lot of technology going on there, too, in terms of how AI has been implemented. And even what we saw with those big numbers, like you were mentioning with 11.11, that was all delivered within just a couple of days. So that's something we don't hear about anymore, but it's also quite impressive on the back end. An immediate issue is the impact of the coronavirus on e-commerce. So, you know, I wonder what you think the effect is going to be, assuming that this outbreak does not peter out very quickly. Is that this going to have a huge impact on e-commerce in China in 2020? Well, it is going to have an impact on e-commerce in 2020. The thing that we're watching the most is logistics network. And as of February 10th on Monday, both Tmall and Jingdong were shipping to most addresses. So we've probably lost about 10 to 12 days of normal time that we would have had because Chinese New Year, a lot of people are even at their normal addresses. So orders and traffic are way down. That's a normal trend that we expect year over year. We'll see that extend because New Year's was extended for two weeks. But if the logistics networks are back up, e-commerce could actually see benefits because people are less likely to go into public places and still need a lot of those goods that they're purchasing online. China's economic growth is obviously slowing down. The government says it's around 6%. I think many economists think it's growing at closer to something like 3%. And this year, due to the coronavirus, maybe even less than that. But the e-commerce giants, of course, are continuing to grow and they're outperforming many of the uh, more traditional sectors of this economy. So is this surprising to you? How do you explain it? What does this really reflect about the changes of technology, about consumer preferences in China and the way that the Chinese economy is developing? Well, in terms of how the economy is developing right now, what we've seen a lot of focus on in the last maybe five 
even when you go back further than that, was always the intention of the business community and the government to push from an export-dominated economy to a more consumption-based economy. So in terms of the GDP numbers, I think we all know that a lot of that has to do with construction industries and what have you. But on the consumer side of things, which is a number we're much more concerned with, we've seen really consistent, almost double-digit growth for 10-plus years now on the consumer side of things. Although the growth may be slowing down on some of the more developed cities, there's a really a lot of third- and fourth-tier cities that it's been really amazing to us as we're shipping two, three-carat diamond rings to cities. And I've been there a long time, but I've never heard of it before and had to look up on a map. But, you know, there's new trains going in, there's new developments, a lot of government spending in these places. So I think we'd expect that to continue on the consumer side of things. On the GDP side of things, you know, probably a little bit too complicated for me to talk about as we're sort of more focused on the digital side of that. Finally, a question about how e-commerce might play a role in Chinese efforts to promote its soft power around the world. You know, Xi Jinping has talked about the need to tell China's story well, and and China, of course, is trying to improve its image around the world, and, and there's many ways, of course, that it's doing that. Uh, we've seen them funnel more movie into Hollywood productions, for example. They are uh, funding uh, infrastructure projects around the world, really, I think, trying to develop and promote a positive Chinese narrative. So do you think that e-commerce companies could play a role in shaping attitudes towards China around the world? And if so, would that only be done in a sort of organic way? Or could it perhaps be directed more by the Chinese government and party? Well, I think they already are. If you look at basically how they're expanding into other parts of the world, there's two models. The one for Southeast Asia and India has been to acquire existing e-commerce companies like Lazada that was a acquired by Alibaba, and also for them to be investing in up-and-coming e-commerce platforms in India. If you look at sort of how that relationship works in the United States, you know, there's websites like Wish.com, for example, that all of those products are from China. China continues to play a large role in terms of sellers on Amazon and eBay as well. So I think that they're there. I'm not so sure that people associate their shopping on those platforms was sort of maybe the government, like you would say. So I'm not sure what the effects of, say, a soft power projection are. But in terms of their presence, they're definitely in all those markets today. Let me just ask one more question. Are there any reasons that e-commerce could slow down in a in a way that is unexpected? What are the variables that could cause this whole phenomenon to be perhaps slow down in the coming years? Well, other than the short-term concerns, obviously, we're still dealing with really high growth numbers. I think demographics probably in the long-term future are going to become an issue. We're just not going to be producing as many consumers as we are now. And we're not going to be at 10% consumer growth for 10 more years. I don't think that's conceivably possible. But this becoming the largest consumption market on the planet is probably, in the medium-range time frame, a real possibility. We've been talking with Jacob Cook, who is co-founder and CEO of WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jacob. Thanks a lot for having me. 